Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is supported in part by the Bertha Foundation. Hi, everyone. How's everyone going? Oh boy, we're so excited, we're so excited. Lewis, this is great. Our first Melbourne Comedy Festival show ever. I know, I can't believe it's taken us 30 years to come to Melbourne. (laughs) Take it personally, (laughs) fuck you Melbourne. No, 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 we're really thrilled to be here. Now, before we start the show, we've got some Patreon supporters we want to uh, shout out to. Morgan Roberts, Kathy Watson, Nicole Flynn, Robin Jowett, Peter Bertels, Chris Hans, uh, Lewis and I's good friend Georgie Earl. No one cares. Up. Yeah. Uh, Roger... <laughs> None of these people are real. Yeah. Uh, is anyone here? <laughs> Roger Crawford, yeah, thanks, Georgie, wherever you are. Megan Vello, David Johnson, Kerry, Max Hanlon, and the Juice Media has become a supporter of us, which is awesome. Oh, oh. And a big thank you to any Patreon supporters in the, in the audience. Anybody here? Yes, great. I hope you got a good discount. Uh, <laughs> is there anyone here who's never heard the podcast before? Yeah. Oh, All right. right. Fantastic. Oh, that's so great. Is there anyone here who's never heard of our friend Ge- Georgie Earl before? <laughs> <laughs> is anyone here on the $1 tier for Patreon? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the minimal input. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, tonight uh, we are recording Irrational Fear on the land of the five tribes of the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded. We need a treaty. Let's start the show. Irrational Fear contains naughty words like Brexit, Canberra Fair Come, and Section 40. Irrational Fear recommends listening by immature audiences. Tonight, the speed of Australia's vaccine rollout has been named 90th in the world. Look out, Bolivia, we're coming for you! And the government announces an Easter Greg hunt. Anyone who finds the health minister will win a Pfizer jab. And venues are at 100% capacity in Melbourne. It's good news for everyone, except the Docklands, which has been socially distanced since 2004. It's the 11th of April 2021, and this is a podcast with less questionable jokes than Prince Philip has told lately. This is a rational
Yes, this is Irrational Fear. I'm your host, Dan Illich, former Duke of Edinburgh. Uh, <laughs> this is the only podcast in Australia that comes with a small risk of blood clots. You should just be aware of that. Uh, we take the scariest stories in the news and laugh in their face at a safe distance. Thank you for joining us for our first ever live show in so-called Melbourne. This is so great. Let's meet our fear mongers for tonight. Our first guest got chased out of his hometown by religiously motivated extremists, which is why he can never go back to Hillsong. It's Sammy Shah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from the Islamic Republic of Sydney, and it's a, it's a horrific place. <laughs> and we have booked a lawyer on this show, but unfortunately she's running late. She's a Cambridge graduate who has put, more, put out more podcasts than Australia has COVID-19 vaccines. It's, it's Alice Fraser, and she sent, us, she sent us a message. Hi Dan, I'm sorry I'm running late. Uh, I was trying to sell the idea of time as a non-fungible token and it turns out uh, that that is illegal according to the time police. So I had to be uh, taken out of that time stream uh, to undergo a trial. Anyway, turns out uh, I'm, I'm, I'm guilty but I'm on parole and I will be there as soon as I possibly can. Alice Fraser! <laughs> Next! We have a man who started off as an intern on Irrational Fear until he realised he was much better than everybody else on the show. It's Penrith's number one son, James Colley. Thank you. Apologies for making clearing. <laughs> and she's the co-writer of Ratatouille the Musical, Chappelle Colby the Musical, and is currently in negotiations to write Adani, a rock opera. <laughs> it's TikTok's biggest Ospol star, Gabby Bolt. You know, you know, Lewis, I've been walking around Melbourne with Gabby Bolt and it's, that's the reaction we've been getting from people to Gabby Bolt in the street. It's I don't remarkable. Know why. <laughs> and he's one of the biggest brains on energy and climate change in Australia, which explains why it's getting so hot in here. It's Simon Hunter Cord. Thank you very much. I've been tweeting about Ozpol for four years, but my daughters know much more about it from Gabby. <laughs> And he's been on air at Triple J so long, he's the only staffer to trade in his street credits for franking credits. It's Lewis Hover! That hurts me twice. One, because I'm old, and second, because I, I still can't afford a house. <laughs> and on the pots and pans for the News Fighters podcast and The Chaser, it's DJ Dilabolical. All right, now we've got an absolutely stacked show for you tonight. Uh, but before we get in it, we, of course, uh, usually at this point, have a message from our sponsor. We understand there's been some confusion about who is eligible for the COVID-19 vaccine and who votes Labor. That's why the federal government is clearing up the confusion with Jab Seeker. Jab Seeker tells you when the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine will be made available to groups most in need of protection first and Liberal Party donors. These vulnerable communities have been identified by medical experts and focus groups. Group 1 includes people who are at increased risk of being silenced by cancel culture. Like journalists who haven't asked any questions, cab drivers and divorced dads with an axe to grind on Facebook. Group 2 priority access will also be given to people working in critical services such as residents of marginal electorates, Sharkies fans, coal industry professionals and men with law degrees who went to university with current or former Liberal Party cabinet members. If you're not listed in groups 1 or 2, 
keep checking Jab Seeker to see when other groups of people will be eligible for the AstraZeneca vaccine, like women, scientists, union members, and Tom Ballard, who will definitely be last on the list. Jab Seeker, helping those who are more on Team Australia than others get a COVID-19 vaccine first. Whenever they fucking arrive. Authorised by someone anonymously to give us plausible deniability should it all go to hell, Canberra. That, of course, is the great Rupert Dagas and uh, Virginia Gay there. Now, this week's first fear, the National Lampoon's vaccinations. Uh, jabs, jabs everywhere, but not a drop to prick. This week, we discovered that the federal government's vaccination program is more fucked than a piece of Parliament House office furniture. Uh, <laughs> so grab yourself a cool, refreshing alcoholic towel. We're going to go from this one from the very start. Earlier this month, it was clear the government wasn't going to meet their projected vaccination target. Here's their target from January, hitting... 4 million doses by April 1st, but the government missed it by 85%. <laughs> April Fools, we're all gonna die! So what do you do when your ambition kind of far outstrips your skill set? Well, you change the target so you could uh, actually achieve it. You know, it's kind of like when I told my parents I was going to do arts rather than law at university. Uh, it was smart. I got in and I passed. Uh, now, just like my mum and dad, the government is extremely proud of their little boy's vaccination program. They're very proud of it. And they insist that more people are being vaccinated every day, which is exactly how time works. Um, <laughs> So now there's a new target, and it's going to be less ambitious, but if you count Kyoto carryover credits, we are, we are, we're absolutely smashing it. Um, it's really good. And the problem is supply, right? Um, we're not making enough of the AstraZeneca vaccine. We're, we're struggling to get it from Europe. The government is saying that they're, they're, trying, to, you know, they're trying to get it, but Europe's keeping it for themselves. Australia's kind of like the class nerd at schoolies, trying to get some eckies off the big kids, but only being given a quarter and taking it and insisting they're peaking! <laughs> Okay, but here's another twist. A few days ago, the Minister for Announcements pulled a rare late-night one together to say that due to increased concerns of a rare blood clot, uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine will no longer be available to people under 50. I mean, what do you want, boomers? You've already got the house. You want to you live in houses as well? You're crazy. Dan, as someone who's recently turned 50... Um... <laughs> oh, that, we had that joke later. <laughs> Uh, so now we can no longer use the vaccine we can't even fucking get. Uh, now, there were two smart reactions on Twitter on Thursday night, and I want to share two of them with you. The first one comes from uh, Tim Sapomasan. What a shocker. This vaccine news tonight means it's going to be a long time before we're out of the woods. It'll make it so much harder for us to reopen our borders and to rebuild from the pandemic. And this is so true. This is like the, the knock-on effect from all of this is basically the economy, what the LNP try to prove to everyone they're, they're good at managing. Now, there was one other, possibly only other smart thing said on Thursday night, and it was this. Clot Morrison. <laughs> Great. Okay. That's from Dee Madigan. She works in advertising. Uh, she's very good at making things very succinct. Uh, and here's the thing. The government has spent about half of its vaccine budget on the AstraZeneca vaccine, and it turns out to not even be 
that rate of vaccine, here are the efficacy rates for the, all the vaccines. AstraZeneca at 74%, Pfizer 95%, Moderna is at 94%, and according to a Russian government source, the Sputnik V is 3,000%. A very, <laughs> very good vaccine, that one. Um, Fearmongers, how are you taking this news that um, the AstraZeneca vaccine is off the cards for most of you, uh, other than Lewis, I guess? <laughs> I'm excited, Dan. First of all, I think uh, anyone who has ever been on a rational fear uh, is in a glass house when it comes to throwing stones at someone for only doing 15% of their job. So <laughs> I do think we should be careful with that. I'm hanging out for the Novavax vaccine because I believe it will be the adult contemporary vaccine that will get you some easy listening on the drive home. <laughs> Um, now, I think one of the strange things about Thursday's announcements, I don't know if you were paying attention on Thursday night, you were probably doing comedy festival shows, but the media team emailed the press gallery at 6.36 about the announcement to be had at 7. ScoMo turned up to the announcement 15 minutes late, 7.15. Then during the press conference, he constantly claimed that he only found out about it at 7.00. The press gallery was emailed at 6.36. No, no, Dan, sorry, you have to understand, we have a Prime Minister that is part goldfish. Like, <laughs> his, his response to every, every issue, and I mean every issue, is, I'm just hearing about this for the first time, <laughs> which is in some sense kind of beautiful, but also I'd like a PM with object permanence. <laughs> Well, let me ask you folks, like, what do you think happened in that 45 minutes? I mean, other than trying to log on to Comsec to sell your AstraZeneca shares, like, what else? <laughs> Jenny told him there was a press conference. Yeah, Jenny told him there was a press conference. Has anyone here ever tried to tell their parents how to use email? <laughs> Can you imagine trying to tell him? Was, yeah. was, was Jenny trying to tell Scott Morrison to oh, log on to Comsec? She was probably logging in for him and reading it to him as a scribe. <laughs> So, to put a button on this, the government has announced yesterday they've secured another 20 million uh, Pfizer vaccines, but they don't actually physically have them in the country under guard. They've just really ordered them. Um, they've secured the vaccines the same way I secure toilet paper from Amazon. Uh, click buy now and hope it arrives before a disaster, pretty much. <laughs> Dan, I don't know if you just saw this, but um, Scott Morrison just announced that because uh, they missed the target by so much, this has happened earlier, uh, they're not going to set any more targets. <laughs> they're just go they've just gone like, nah, targets aren't for us. Which, as the sort of, like, coach of the country, That's it's exactly such a beautiful vision just being out there like, all right, boys, settle down. Over the next four quarters, we're going to give it... I don't know. How many percent? I don't want to say for sure, because I don't know if you're going to get there. But just get out there and have some fun. All right, boys, good on you. We are, we are going to give 400% to two Queensland pensioners. And other than that... You know the lack of, the lack of uh, focus and the lack of like, definitive answers is what I, I respect. Because the, I, 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 don't, I, don't, uh, I, I can't relate to someone who's like an, an achiever. But Scott Morrison, he feels like my prime minister. Yeah. Like he's, he's just waffling through life, making shit up as he goes. He's an improviser, man. He's yes-anding stuff. Sandy Shah, liberal voter. Yeah. I knew it. <laughs> Why you got to hit on him? Dan, I'm, I'm under 50, so I can't have the AstraZeneca. But in 18 months' time... I will be 50, and by that's when they're going to arrive. So I don't have any problems at all. <laughs> well, Simon, we need you more than anyone else on this panel, so please, be safe. Um, folks, I've got a little 
surprise for you. Uh, on behalf of us all here, Irrational Fear has secured some vaccines for you. Yes, if you look under your chairs, you will see you've got a vaccine! You've got a vaccine! You've got a vaccine! Look under your chairs! You've got a vaccine! Check it out! Let's have a look! look oh, it's in a little envelope. Uh, wave it in the air! Wave it in the air! Where is it? Excellent! Well done! Congratulations! Give yourself a round of applause! Oh my god! We did it, gang! We did it! Oh! Oh, uh, um, oh, sorry, actually, only 15% of you. <laughs> <laughs> if you, if you didn't get a vaccine, donate to the Patreon <laughs> for the next show's budget. Uh, yeah, I, so didn't, I didn't get a vaccine, but Alice isn't here yet. Yeah, you can so take Alice. I absolutely <laughs> got a vaccine. Like, That's how the actual vaccination system uh, works, yeah. too. First well, in, first rest. I would actually love if Oprah was like that. You know, like... Look under your chairs. Three of you have won a car. The rest of you are allowed to try to kill them and steal the keys. That movie is Saw. Uh, yeah, you now, just explained Saw. Uh, you might know it's a little bit different. Uh, I got them off Alibaba. Um, uh, so it's not the brand name. Some of you have uh, uh, Absolute Zeneca, which is... <laughs> and this one is Jaeger Pfizer. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so that's good. You know, that's, that's great. And, and the good news is it doesn't contribute to clotting. It actually thins your blood. So that's great. <laughs> this is Irrational Fear! <laughs> Now, one of the reasons why we are in this pickle is because the federal government loves to pretty much outsource everything they can. They appear to be creating jobs out of nowhere that shouldn't even exist. And, Gabby, you've been thinking a lot about this lately? Yeah, I just sort of lie awake at night sometimes um, thinking about that jobs exist that just shouldn't. So I thought I'd pen a little something to explain my plight. It's a sad song. Doesn't sound it. Working a toll station when tags took effect Professional sleeper Working at Blockbuster in the 2010s Useless jobs These are all useless to me It's alright, you don't have to laugh <laughs> Shopping centre Santa in Mecca A lifeguard at an Olympic swimming event Useless jobs These are all useless to me PR for the NRA A sugar-free bakery making a child's fifth birthday cake Why do they exist? Sugar-free bakery, that's real. Any job within the monarchy, Rip Philip, and anybody doing comedy. But none of these would be as useless as an empathy consultant for the LNP. Get it on, everyone! Your fear is rational. Before we begin, I want to uh, categorically say that I, Sammy Shah, am not 
I'm not calling Defense Minister Peter Dutton a rape apologist. <laughs> Unrelatedly, the uh, Defense Minister Peter Dutton has begun issuing defamation threats to social media users who dared to call him a rape apologist. Um, this all began a few weeks ago when during the coverage around the Brittany Higgins alleged rape in Parliament questions were raised over who, who knew what when. Um, the Prime Minister, as he's repeatedly told us, only found out about recently, uh, which would be shocking if it wasn't for the fact that he also apparently recently found out that the gender pay gap exists. Um, other things the Prime Minister is discovering about women right now is that they don't actually have the cooties. Um, women aren't actually literally from Venus. And, Praying to Jesus while having sex doesn't prevent you from getting pregnant and no one has yet told him about periods because frankly we're not sure he could handle it. Um, when asked about the he said, she said statement that the Prime Minister, that, that the Defence Minister Peter Dutton made, um, he was non-committal about, about whether he thought it was a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, Green Senator Larissa Waters went so far as to call Peter Dutton on Twitter an inhuman sexist rape apologist. She subsequently published an apology under threat of a defamation lawsuit. The offensive part, of course, being that she characterised Peter Dutton as inhuman an insult to all inhuman beings and, and Larissa Waters' apology was directed to animal, vegetable and minerals. Um, Peter Dutton is very much a human and the Potato Anti-Defamation League is sick of battling claims otherwise. Um, Now, let's be clear. This is in regards to his comments about uh, Peter, uh, Peter Dutton when he said that about the Brittany Higgins case uh, and he referred to it as a he said, she said thing. This is not in regards uh, to in 2019 when he claimed the pregnant rape victims on Nauru were, quote, trying it on by seeking abortions in Australia. Uh, it also isn't for the multiple cases of sexual assault that refugees in detention on Manus and Nauru experienced under his watch, nor is it about the time he called journalist Samantha Maiden a quote mad fucking witch in a text message he accidentally sent to her <laughs> and, and, and by the way here's a couple of fun extra details I just found the legal firm that Peter Dutton is using to sue people who call him a rape apologist is the firm Baker McKenzie now Baker McKenzie in 1994 was found guilty of sexually harassing a female employee and was forced to pay out one of the largest sexual harassment claims in history. And in 1986, Baker McKenzie fired a top lawyer from their staff because he contracted AIDS. The subsequent trial and their massive financial payout for wrongful termination is the basis for the movie Philadelphia. <laughs> Peter Dutton's using the villains from Philadelphia to prove that he isn't a fucking villain. For legal reasons, therefore, I must say that Peter Dutton is not a rape apologist, but only because there's so much fucking worse he can be accused of. Thank you.
which of you, if we tried, I think a rational fear, I think Peter Dutton could possibly send us a legal letter, a defamation letter. He's a big fan of the show. Uh, I think it's possible to do. He's been sending lots of legal letters to lots of people on Twitter. One on us, one on a podcast. So I was wondering if each of you could say something completely defamatory about Peter Dutton for the people at home. Um, Who would like to go first? I can't fucking wait. All right. (laughs) Hit it, James. Oh, here he is. He'll say anything. He's the most dangerous man in comedy. What's he going to do next? Peter Dutton, a former Queensland cop, <laughs> the people of Queensland. Oh! oh! Wow. Hey, Cap. <laughs> Peter Dutton has the face of a in a police sketch of a Peter Dutton named his testicles Manus and Nauru. <laughs> no, I did it wrong. I did it wrong. I did it wrong. I did it. Peter Dutton is a <laughs> man. <laughs> Simon, you want in on this? Yeah, sure. Peter Dutton is famous for <laughs> with children. To be honest, that scared me a lot. <laughs> Uh, as an ABC employee, it gives me great pleasure to say out loud that despite what Peter Dutton may claim, Peter is in fact a very oh! Dude, you can't oh! say a slur. <laughs> yeah, that's I... not just a crime, that's just racist. <laughs> I don't know for sure, but I reckon Peter Dutton probably has a of some kind. Oh! <laughs> Oh, wow. Uh, Alice says the lawyer on the panel, was any of that problematic? Yes. <laughs> well, I wonder if um, the Prime Minister himself will be receiving a defamation letter from one of his ministers uh, after he had a press conference fumble earlier this week. The 19th of February, Minister Hunt called the new Health Minister to advocate for release of the AstraZeneca vaccine to Australia. Oh, great. Truth is a defence. I, I think it's worth hearing again. 19th of February, Minister Hunt. <laughs> you got to be a little bit proud of him. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Alice Fraser. Hello, how are you? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm late. I got caught in time court. <laughs> Uh, didn't you... If you got caught in time court, surely the time court people could have dropped you anywhere, like, at the start of the show. Oh, they did. I just needed to get a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, technology and money. So much news in the technology and money sphere and so much of it so deeply irrelevant. Uh, NFTs, or non-fungible tokens, have had their time in the sun, apparently plunging in price after rocketing in the big leagues for a second there. Sotheby's... Uh, jumping on the wagon a little too late, has decided to sell some NFTs, lending them legitimacy just as everyone has decided that they're garbage. Uh, Sotheby's has teamed up with anonymous artist Pac uh, with this piece of absolute nonsense slash revolutionary new art. Uh, On April the 12th, buyers will be able to purchase as many copies as they want of a uh, Pac work, which is a silvery geometric cube for $500 each. (laughs) Uh, So they've just invented money you can't have. (laughs) 
I liked NFTs out of the gate. I liked the idea that artists could be paid for their work. Uh, and I like the fact that uh, NFTs really express the idea that artists can be paid for their work, expressing them by paying them not for their work, but by spending money on a platform some cunt invented to associate your name with the work on an abstract blockchain in indelible digital ink. I feel like reminding them you can still just buy art. But the newest excrescence of the beautiful uh, Bitcoin economy is BitClout. BitClout allows uh, creators and influencers and musicians to monetize their celebrity <laughs> uh, using a new kind of asset called Creator Coins, which users can buy and sell uh, whether the person consents to this or not, uh, whether they participated or not, and its value is designed to increase or decrease depending on the social clout of the celebrity. Great, great, great. Imaginary money spent to buy the idea of people who may or may not be aware that they haven't actually been bought or sold, but an algorithm is pretending they have. I've spoken to a lot of people about this, and you you look confused. It's all right. I've spoken to a lot of people about this who think they're dumb for not understanding uh, this complex area of of, of bits. Um, The problem is you do understand it. It's as dumb as you think it is. (laughs) Like, you think it can't be as dumb as I think it is. I must be the dumb one. No. (laughs) The problem really is... I think the problem is the fact that Bitcoin itself, the original and the best of imaginary money, uh, apart from money... um, (laughs) The problem is that Bitcoin worked so well out of the gate as a fucking gamble. So some of the people, some of the people made wealthy by Bitcoin were smart, forward-thinking operators. Many of the others, unfortunately, were dumb suckers knee-deep in the Dunning-Kruger effect who got carpet-bagged by some tech bro on a podcast into throwing their money into a badly understood black hole that just happened to work out for them, but it did, and now they think they're smart. (laughs) There is not much you can spend Bitcoin on is the problem now. It hasn't really entered the real economy, so it's in this imaginary land where all you can buy is, like, black market murder weapons and (laughs) Russian hitmen. So they've decided to enter the field of investing in art or celebrities, or rather the idea of art and the concepts of celebrities in order to, quote-unquote, spend their, quote-unquote, money. I don't know about you, uh, but I am about to invent my own coin, um, and it's about how many fucks I give (laughs) about the technology market. Unfortunately, I'm resting at zero. (laughs) (laughs) Is BitClout interesting to you as a panel? Like, how do you think you would use... BitCloud in real life. How do you think you... I, I'm already worried about ticket sales. <laughs> I don't need to worry about how much people are or are not buying my BitCloud. Yeah, yeah, already, already. It's like... Re- can I fly for BitCloud to trade Hall? Yeah, com- yeah. Comedians already live in that economy. Yes. Like, <laughs> oh, we got five stars. Great. <laughs> how, do you, how would you use uh, BitCloud, Lewis? Who would you take down? Who would I... I, I, I genuinely don't know. I was actually... I, the whole time you're talking about it, I'm like, do I want to do that? Because obviously, like, it'd be, it's fun on the way up. 
I mean, like watching it go up at the top, that's the good stuff. But <laughs> yeah. then when it starts to tip, like watching your own financial value go down. <laughs> Very well. Is... And I can do that by just looking at my ANZ <laughs> bank balance every day. It's like waking up Sunday morning, you're like, oh, okay, I had some fun, good stuff. <laughs> We're also all artists. On, I don't know, Simon, if you're an artist, would you count yourself as an artist? Put your hand up if you consider yourself an artist. <laughs> Well, I think we're. Well, I think. I think, in some kind of respect, we can consider ourselves artists, like in terms of creating. That we're things. so nervous about answering that question. Says so yes, you are. That's, that, that was like more air got sucked out of the room than like sledging Peter Dutton. Like, like, oh no, 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 no. We're idiots. I promise. But other people are so much more artists than I am. And who am I to have imposter syndrome? <laughs> <laughs> Is this something you would like? Would you use? Like use the blockchain to sell your work, Gabby Bolt. On, on Half the time, I can't log into my hotmail. I don't. <laughs> but also, like spending money to buy a digital copy of a something is like all music now. Guys, you all make money from making funny stuff. <laughs> I work for TikTok, so <laughs> actually, I'm not making work... any money. But by the way, because Gabby's already on the cutting edge, right? right. Like, I'm still figuring out how to download TikTok, <laughs> and Gabby's on there and is doing amazing. So like, there'll be the, there'll be someone else, some young person who'll be really funny and amazing and will do great with BitClout while Gabby will then feel like me one day and, and, and welcome to life. Yeah. I, I don't know, I think we've done an end around around the whole system because half of this panel is paid by the Australian taxpayer so we just really, we got the payment first and then we're like, yeah, we'll do some Look, art. let's be honest though, I've met the Australian taxpayer, they're not fucking spending money on worthwhile shit at all. Can I just say, when I was 23, I, go- I looked up on a search engine, I don't even know if it was Yahoo, Google at you that Yahoo point, I Yahoo, uh, how much I would sell for on the white slave market and I can, I can tell you like definitively that I would rather sell myself even now depreciated as I am on the white slave market than I would join fucking BitCloud just out of interest how much I had a lot back then but I was hot <laughs> this is a rational fear more dangerous to our politicians than a set of slippery stairs a rational fear Now, um, uh, we all have a bit of climate change. Climate change is exciting. You know, fires when you least expect it. Moisture you don't want in places. Uh, there's a reason we booked Simon Holmes to court to come on the show because there's always something to talk about when it comes to climate change. This week, it has been a, quite a tumultuous week for the heads of advisory boards that are intended to give governments the best advice possible on climate change. First, at a federal level, one of the major figures of the carbon lobby has been given a prominent role in the Climate Change Authority, Grant King. He's the former CEO of Origin Energy. He's had a multi-decade history of delaying climate action. He's the architect of the Kyoto carryover credit scam. Uh, He's been a major proponent of fracking in Queensland and now he's in charge of the Climate Change Authority who is responsible... Who's done more climate change? (laughs) (laughs) Totally appropriate. Totally appropriate. In order to catch a thief, you need to (laughs) think like a thief. Now, without trying to sound like a left-wing Ray Hadley, how does a bloke like this get a job at the top of the Climate Change Authority? 
Well, he's absolutely he's got got a history of creating climate change. So if you want to have an authority on climate change, he's the guy. <laughs> so he he he's the guy who started the coal seam gas uh, industry up in Queensland and has bigger carbon footprint than anybody on the planet. Uh, he's he's that one project was responsible for a billion tons of carbon uh, over its project life. He so, was the head of the Business Council of Australia that that worked to undercut or cut down the carbon price we had that was working. Uh, and uh, he, he put out the, um, uh, authorised the media release that that, that would be uh, an economy-wrecking target, that, that Labor's policy would, would destroy our economy. So he's, he's number one Bond villain when it comes to climate change. So, so his carbon footprint is the kind that, like, Matthew Broderick stands inside and looks around <laughs> and we pull back and we realise we've been in it the whole time. <laughs> so, yeah, if you want to have someone who understands climate change, uh, he's the guy. But how does he actually get this job? Like, who, who how does, how, what are the machinations for a bloke like him getting this job? Surely someone says, nah. nah he, he, so, you go to seek.com.au. <laughs> and and you, have to, you have to upload your CV, but as a PDF sometimes, because that's the format. Yeah. And then you've got to copy and paste yeah. everything. Yeah. I mean, Dan, you're missing the really obvious thing here, which is that with climate change, that is the rising tide that lifts all boats. <laughs> <laughs> So, Dan, during the uh, middle of last year, the, the government thought, let's have a COVID commission that could come together and work out what's the Australia going to look like on the other side, how are we going to lift Australia out? And the government put three top uh, gas executives on this board, uh, a guy who is in, um, on the board of the biggest uh, oil and gas company in the world, uh, one of the biggest coal companies in Australia, uh, and a guy who has coal up to gas tenements in, in Western Australia. So They were to float us out of coal. <laughs> so, so, so it seems like now you actually have to be from the gas industry if you want to be on. So Grant was your number one gas guy. We're going to put him in charge of the Climate Change Authority. Oh. It doesn't... I mean, I, it hurts my head. It, it feels like... You know when you read an article and you're like, that doesn't make sense, and it doesn't make sense, and it's so refreshing to find out from you, it doesn't make sense. Uh, I think the but worst part for me is when I see that now, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. It actually makes sense. <laughs> this isn't like set a thief to catch a thief. This is if you want to catch a thief, you first have to steal a thief and then wear his skin for 25 years and then eventually lose sight of your own identity and become the thief. I'm just sad to be the number two gas guy. <laughs> hey, you'll always be my number one guest guy, buddy. Very ambitious for him. Also, in New South Wales last week, the Environment Minister, Matt Keane, installed Malcolm Turnbull as the chair of a new body called the Zero Emissions oh, Board. Oh, cool. you love that. Yeah, which just sounds great. It just sounds fantastic. Right? He's going to really that enjoy that. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, seeing how this ends. Zero, Malcolm Turnbull. So this gives you great hope, oh, yes, right? very, I was very excited. Let's end it here. <laughs> Malcolm Turnbull is right like... here. <laughs> By the way, he would be. Yeah. <laughs> Please please, please get him on and then fire him from the panel. <laughs> <laughs> it's another one, Matt. Well, fuck off! <laughs> he asked to come on, I said, no way. Uh, now, for all intents and purposes, the Zero Emissions Board is to help New South Wales business and government get to zero emissions. Turnbull went on to radio to say, you know, it's probably a good idea we put pause on new coal mines. Now, this was a bad decision. Um, the Nationals and some right-wing backbenchers on the Liberal side exploded like a coke heap in the sun, and the right-wing media 
uh, got in on the act and Matt Keane, the Environment Minister, was forced to remove Turnbull from the role five days after giving him the role. Here's what um, the leader of the New South Wales Nationals, John Barillara, had to say about it to Ray Hadley and Turnbull's response. I gave the benefit of the doubt to Malcolm Turnbull, but you're right, he pulled my pants down within 48 hours of his appointment. Can I just say, I have no idea what John Barillara is talking about with respect to his pants. <laughs> now, what went wrong for Malcolm Turnbull in those five days, Simon? Yeah, so the, this bonk is... <laughs> the bonk band. The bonk band. The bonk band. So this is this is the third True. this is the third time that Malcolm Turnbull has been rolled over this issue. You'd think he'd like you know, get the message at some point. Um, Ma- Malcolm was engaged to talk about renewables and to help New South Wales understand how to get to net zero. And he, you know, was, uh, talk about renewables. Everyone loves renewables. He made the cardinal mistake. He talked about coal. Right. Um, now, so it's sort of, you know, if you're going to have more renewables, you're going to have less coal. But we just can't talk about the, the less coal. And when he said the radical, you know, the, the far radical left is, let's shut down all coal overnight. The Yay! Far, <laughs> the far radical right is, let's go and build 10 Adanis in the Upper Hunter Valley, which is actually the no. plan, by the way. The sensible centre thing that Malcolm said is, why don't we just put a pause on it? Just for a little while, let's put a pause until we work out what the hell's going on here. And that was too radical for, for the... That, that was too it's radical It's really interesting because Malcolm Turnbull, like, he clearly cares about this. It's, re- it's a real shame that someone like him mm. can't ever get a chance to be in a position where he can make a difference. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know, like, after... Like, like, Prime Minister, like, could he? A man can dream! A man can dream! Look, I think a pause is incredibly reasonable given that any time they seem to dig a mine, what they do is blow up a priceless indigenous artefact. <laughs> like, I think put, putting it on pause until they figured out that like, most of Australia is full of priceless indigenous artefacts is probably a good idea. I like the idea that like, this is the way to get the Liberals on board. It may seem like two step forward, one step back, but I think the constant perpetual humiliation of Malcolm Turnbull <laughs> will make them realise that sometimes energy keeps coming back and back It's and renewable. Back. <laughs> it's very renewable. I mean, is all what it seems with his kind of removal? Like, was this a matter of bad timing or was it truly that comment on radio? Uh, well, it was, a, it, was, it was a hell of a time, right? He announced on a, on a Wednesday morning... Maybe we should put a pause on Cole. That afternoon, the MP for the Upper Hunter Valley resigned over sexting from the floor of Parliament oh. uh, and, and uh, alleged rape of a sex worker. So at, 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 the, at the very day that they had, they're heading towards a by-election, that morning Malcolm had said, maybe we should put a pause on coal. And New South Wales, Nats saw it. Yeah, let's go virtue signal. Dig, dig, dig. More coal, more coal. Mm. Yeah, Malcolm's timing was terrible. What I wanted to ask was, is this just because Turnbull's just terrible at politics? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I'll let the record speak for itself. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's a culture war, right? It's a, it's a, it's a culture war. We've got a by-election coming up yep. and the Nats think that people want more coal in that area. But okay. I think they're going to find out that, no, Australia's moved on. Right. I like uh, the idea I like of your, um, I like coal, yeah. coal being something that can't be named. It's like Coldemort. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, I, do, I do like your, um, your optimism about, like, no, people have moved on. No, the fucking Nats will win, the Liberal Party will win, because Aussies love franking credits. In the end, <laughs> in the end, this country loves the franking credits. And here's why, Sammy. They're actually... <laughs> 
Before we let you go, Simon, off this hook, is there something hopeful you can tell us about Australia's meaningful reduction with climate emissions? Okay, so the energy sector is our largest, the electricity sector is our largest emissions sector, and we are decarbonising that sector at an incredible rate, like one of the fastest of any countries in the world. Uh, Our emissions are coming down because we're replacing coal and gas, we're being replaced with renewables. So that's great, but, (laughs) but... All of that work, like all the work we've done in Australia in the last 20 years has been unwound by the gas industry, uh, especially you know, half of it in Western Australia, the rest up, uh, up in Queensland, these LNG exports, mm. have unwound all the good work that's happening in renewables. So while we are putting... So, you know, a third of Australian homes have solar on their roof right now, that's all been unwound by foreign multinationals not paying tax. Well, thanks, Sam. That was very hopeful. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that. Uh, now, Gabby Bolt has actually written us an anthem to make us feel good about climate change. Gabby. Uh, don't, don't get excited yet. Um, so, I'm a pessimist at heart, and I don't think anything's going to go well. So, <laughs> I've written an anthem to unite the people of 2065, including me when I'm begging for euthanasia. Um, and so, this, this is a, a sort of... Anthem. Um, I might get your help, actually, maybe. Oh, look, it's a bit on the nose. Um, To unite the people of that time. Pick yourself up. Dust yourself off. Life's not as hard as you once planned it. Step outside, breathe in the ocean air and the orange sky. Even though you live in an inner city apartment. I know it's a hard fact to confront One in a hundred year weather events Occurring every other month I'm gonna tell you what you gotta do Ignore the floods and the flames And put yourself to good use And give yourself a quick and painless death Give yourself a quick Yeah, come on, a painless death It would be if you just cut the crap and ended it all Give yourself a quick and painless death Yeah, Gabby, that's uh... Give, give yourself... That's uh, that's okay. I don't want the, uh... What? Was that not the hopeful... It's, it's not really... Ballad you were after. It's not really hopeful. <laughs> Um, maybe you uh, and we can't have sing-alongs because of COVID, so that would have been oh. nice, sure. But you know, um, uh, but uh, maybe um, maybe you got something. Do you have anything else like this? A bit more cheery. Yeah, or? I definitely wrote two songs for about the same subject for oh, the one okay. show I'm doing in Melbourne. That's <laughs> sure. Why fucking not? Hopeful enough? Yeah, that's good. You produced me to boogie woogie. straw that I just found out was made in a sweatshop I now face an ethical paradox I can utilise child labour or fuck the environment up 
sorry, hopeful. I have a reusable coffee cup that cost me 75 bucks. And I know it was made ethically, but if I'm speaking honestly, my addiction to caffeine still hasn't paid it off. The truth is I'm trying, but I would be lying if I thought I was making a difference. I shouldn't give in to my apathy. I should shut up and do my bit. Your consumer should be climate conscious, but it only works if the big conglomerates stop fucking around and start honestly giving a shit. Just 20 companies make up roughly one third of emissions. And our climate policy is like reading Where's Wally when you're blind. <laughs> and I beat myself up as I step to the self serve position. Cause I forgot my canvas bags to the shops for the tenth fucking time. <laughs> The truth is I know that a mishap or so is not gonna affect the outcome Don't know if I say it just to feel better Or if I say it cause it might be true But until all the fossil fuel bosses stop drilling oil and cut their losses It wouldn't matter if I remembered my bags, the earth is still screwed <laughs> Sorry, hopeful. I could live in a house made of mud, bricks and linen and only take from nature what nature has given. I could grow my own food and sew my own clothes and recycle my poo or something. I don't know. I could sell my 99 Commodore. I could only shop from sustainable stores. But here's the thing that no one says in admission. That's really hard. <laughs> because of capital. <laughs> also, that sounds like the Unabomber's life, and I don't really want to end up the way that Ted Krasinski did. Key change. So all I have left is to hope and to bet on world leaders to make right decisions and put sustainability at the forefront. Let our education know no bounds. Invest in climate science, and I will keep my carbon footprint quiet. Did you like that metaphor? I really like writing it. While we keep greed and backward vitriol Bodied on up with the gas and the coal Where it belongs In the fucking ground Thank you. Was that hopeful? Did I hit it? Yeah. Awesome. Folks, James Colley! I will not be doing this to a boogie-woogie beat. <laughs> it is my sad duty today to speak about the loss of an icon. I realise in this room this may not be popular because of some of the things he said that have not aged beautifully, shall we say. But it is impossible to disregard his influence on our modern culture and world. But sadly, DMX... Uh, <laughs> hit musician behind Where My Dogs, Where My Dogs, Where My Dogs At, passing was overshadowed by that of an obscure royal figure, <laughs> Prince Philip, who passed away at 99 from, and this is an official palace quote, eventually succumbing to Meghan Markle's cruel refusal <laughs> to stop, nay, reverse the march of time. <laughs> Sounds like an awful woman. As 
often happens. This is also triggered an argument over whether it's okay to poke fun at or criticize the dead. It's an argument that's been raging since the beginning of time. Ever since Abel copped Cain's rock sandwich, we've wondered if we can admit that Cain caning Abel is able to be funny or if it's ableist. (laughs) Fucking straight through cover drive. The debate ignited again with Prince Philip, who was born around the same time. If anything, it, is, it was so predictable that I now believe when I die in three months or so, the true measure as to whether I was a piece of shit or not will not be if I go to heaven or hell, but rather whether my death triggers a tedious, hang-wringing debate about civility. But is it okay to make fun of the loss of Prince Philip. Yes, but is it okay (laughs) to make fun of the loss of Prince Philip? And honestly, I can see both sides of this argument. (laughs) Whatever you think of the man, it is still a human being that has been lost, and that's not a subject for fun. But then again, saying an inappropriate thing at the worst possible time is in its own way (laughs) the perfect tribute (laughs) to the memory of Prince Philip. There's the argument that what we say about him doesn't matter because he can't hear us now, even though I have it on good authority that he was a Patreon subscriber. (laughs) Good friend of both Dan and Lewis. But I also have sympathy for the argument that it's not about him. It's about those left behind. I mean, in all honesty, Queen Elizabeth is a 94-year-old woman who just lost her closest cousin. (laughs) That's Actually, Dan, if you could... This actually, this was only my second favourite graphic that I discovered about this. My, my favourite was this from the Daily Mail, where they had to label his grandmother's connections to Nazis. So there's named son after Hitler, husband turned against Hitler. Now, importantly, to turn against Hitler, though it sounds like a good thing, you have to be on the side of Hitler for at least a portion of this. Died in a plane crash. Now, this one's quite sad, but the article also details that everyone showed up in Nazi uniforms, which they didn't have room for in the graphic, and only one not married to a Nazi (laughs) is the best caption you can hope for. (laughs) If you are in any photo and your caption is only one not married to a Nazi, if that's how this panel photo comes out... I will be furious. Uh. (laughs) That said, this is a family that has had to experience a lot of tragic loss. India, Andrew's ability to... (laughs) Andrew's ability to sweat, they lost that. It's the heartbreaking loss of Diana, which no one could have seen coming, allegedly. And... This loss occurred on... The Prince Philip loss occurred on Charles and Camilla's anniversary. That's true, and it brings their count up to two, allegedly. Um, Then there's the symbolic question. On one hand, there's no greater representation of the English Empire and the devastating effects of colonialism, which has killed so many, and make no mistake, continues to kill today. But again, should Philip, or indeed the Queen, be responsible for the actions of their great-great-grandfather, who I must remind you again was the same person... (laughs) 
sort of put it back up. Finally, there was a way to connect Prince Albert with something terrible happening to your dick, but I just haven't. <laughs> but equally, should death be an escape from your legacy in life? Should the prince formerly known as Prince be instantly absolved of any faults? This troubles me deeply, and my only solace is knowing that if I do step over the line, at least no one will be able to badmouth me for doing this after I die, or they're an absolute hypocrite. <laughs> Still, and finally, I do believe we have to be very, very careful about the way we speak about and to those going through terrible grief. That's real. That's human, and you never know how it could affect someone. It's like, say you didn't like fire alarms because they're always set, set off by the steam for your shower. This might be true, and it might be annoying, and it might really frustrate you, but you don't want to say that kind of thing to a grieving mother who just lost two boys in a house fire. And while Prince Philip did do literally that <laughs> in 1998, we have to decide whether or not we bring up this kind of thing now. Personally, I have decided not to. <laughs> so forget that you've heard it. Rational fear. fear is rational. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if anyone saw this on Twitter. It was really quite an extraordinary thing that uh, happened in on the BBC, uh, BBC Radio One. This is how they announced to the world how Prince Philip died. This goes for a little bit, but it's worth it. Buckingham Palace has announced the death of His Royal Highness. to play Darude Sandstorm. Yeah. <laughs> a fitting tribute to the Darudest man of I all love, time. I love that we're on a time schedule here. I, I, got, I, got, a, I got a fake news version. Uh, <laughs> I downloaded oh, the wrong one. Forget it. It was really funny. Uh, put it in the podcast later. Pretend that was oh, put real. It in the podcast that was great. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, now. <laughs> and when the crazy frog died. Yeah, when, yeah, when crazy. <laughs> Should have listened to that before we uh, put that in. Uh, <laughs> now, before we uh, before before Lewis closes the show, Gabby, you've got one last song sure. for us. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't Play know. Play that song. Just kidding. Um, that was uh, the wrong note. Now, you, you want to get something off your chest? Yeah, obviously, always. Um, yep. A couple of sizes in the bra would be great, but apart from that, um, yeah, no, uh, because I sort of found my success on the internet, a lot of people feel entitled to talk to me. 
which is not how I would have it ordinarily. Um, but I get it. I get it. Uh, some of you might know this song, um, but I get it. A lot of beautiful, wonderful comments online. Uh, so I've written a song for the most beautiful comments I get. It's, it's called Love Song for an Incel. And in parentheses, I think I'd get on with your mum. Recently, the internet has become my new abode. And every time I put up a political post, I see something that catches my eye. A retweet from the sweetest kind of guy. Three little words that he goes and states, referring me to all of his mates, of someone to look up to. But the words aren't, I love you. Would you bang? That's what he said. So ignoring the fact it's not relevant, and ignoring the fact I'm greatly average in bed, and ignoring the disgusting sentiment, instead of a simple abuse of my autonomy, he could have tried to set the fucking scene for me. Tell me how we'd meet, tell me how you would treat me, but since you won't give me the courtesy, I'll do what must be done. I reckon we would meet on the street. You would catcall me from your bus stop seat You would be surprised when I in fact say Hey, I'm super flattered that you want to see my rack And I'd ask you to take me out on a date I'll leave it all to you to cultivate And I'll say, hey babes, could you pick me up round eight And you'll say you can't drive, that's why you're at a bus station <laughs> So I rock up to your house, which is an overstatement Cause your house is your mum's and you live in I'll wait with your mum for a while in the hallway She seems real sweet, it's a shame her son is an ashtray Links Africa, a potent aura It compliments well with your sweaty fedora And as we leave for an evening I've been looking forward to I remember you've picked the menu and the venue and the seating I stole that line from Hamilton Lin-Manuel might sue me if we take to our chairs Amongst the popcorn-y air I ask what kind of film I'm in for Not surprised at all to hear it's by Tarantino As we watch you list off all the films you've seen though You do go on to say that representation's not important And diversity has ruined all the things you enjoy And even in a hypothetical I feel unsafe Thanks, <laughs> But for narrative's sake, we have to get to third base. So I get back to your house. And we dim the lights down low. Well, actually, they're off. Whoa, because the basement's not on the same circuit board. Which works out for me, because I don't want to see you. Even in the dark, your chest hair really just shines through. And I'm giving you all of my moves Jesus I said I'm giving you all of my moves oh. And you're crying
I, I can't even really be a dick in this hypothetical. Um, so, so, so I hold you while you shed tears. You say your sexual performance is one of your biggest fears. You treat women like they're objects to distract from the fact you're probably bad at sex. And while I'm empathetic, I'm not an idiot. I grab my stuff and run the fuck out of the basement, but I stop to talk to your mum. Cause honestly, she seems fun But she doesn't seem to know That there's a sickness that exists within cyberspace Most diagnosable in patients who hide their face Hey, look around, it could be one of your mates You tell me I shouldn't have opinions and to know my place So as a woman, if you wish to share a point of view Be aware of the shitstorm that awaits you in the Reddit forums, in the Twitter hashtags, in the YouTube comments, in the TikTok duets, in the Facebook feed, in the email jump box, in the Insta DMs, and in the post once I was doxxed. <laughs> and I am all for taking accountability. I'm happy to debate But none of that matters. He already rated me a six point three. Six point fucking three. I'm actually a six point four, so thank you. <laughs> what you're worried about. You come out quite well in that song, Louis. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I did get her to take out the worst bits, but I've settled with it now, yeah. She took my name out of the title, the rest I'm fine with. Did you know Lewis is with the same lawyer that Peter Dutton's got? <laughs> <laughs> Lewis Harper, everyone! Irrational fear. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Crush that. <laughs> it's not going to get better, so <laughs> enjoy that. All right, well, we've talked about uh, some of the biggest issues facing the world tonight. Vaccines, the impending heat death of the planet, the tragic loss of a charming racist. <laughs> But as usual, it's up to me to address the real hot topic. Because this week, we all woke to the news that Netflix Australia was making a reality series about influencers in Byron Bay. <laughs> did, we all, did we all hear about Byron Bays? <laughs> Spelled B-A-E-S? Yeah, the groan's appropriate. <laughs> That's right. Australia's pro-linen, anti-vax capital is getting its own reality series. Byron Bay, the old Hemsworth hideaway. The only place in Australia where it's aspirational to live in a van. The place where Pete Evans finally stopped using tinfoil to bake brownies and finally started using it to make hats. Now I know what you're thinking. Yes, Netflix already have a show about pointless rich cunts. It's called The Crown. 
And yes, Netflix already made a show about absurd idiots who live together. It was by Auntie Donna. <laughs> But this is a hot, fresh new idea. Netflix described the show as a feed of hot Instagrammers living their best lives. So Netflix have invented Instagram hands-free. Even better, most of us watch Netflix while watching Instagram on our phones anyway. So essentially, we're all just gonna be watching Byron Bay's twice at the same time. Up on the big screen, a Byron Pilates instructor eats a chia pudding. On my small screen, she posts a close-up of her butt with a caption misquoting Gandhi. <laughs> it's TV, exactly how John Logie Baird wanted it to be. <laughs> I'm excited about this show. Who's with me? <laughs> All right, tepid response, appropriate again. <laughs> But one of the most enjoyable things about the show getting announced is how much people in Byron Bay hate it. They, they are so angry about this. And fair enough, because as an idea, even people from the Gold Coast would call it a bit tacky. <laughs> and usually the only TV Byron locals like to watch are three-hour YouTube documentary rants about how Bill Gates' 5G towers need to be torn down. But it is fun to see famously chilled Byron locals get angry. It's a bit like getting one of those Buckingham Palace guards to laugh. <laughs> and they're in here tonight. <laughs> normally, normally Byronians only get angry when they forget to charge their crystals or they forget that the house they bought for eight grand is now worth ten million dollars. <laughs> it makes sense that people in Byron are angry at the influences on the show because one of the defining characteristics of a Byron local is moving to Byron than getting angry at anyone else who moves to Byron. <laughs> But I actually agree with the Byron locals on this new Netflix show. Having a global Netflix audience watching the hot idiots of Byron Bays will give a bad name to the good people of the area who just want to be left alone while their kids get polio. <laughs> I'm with them. I'm with them. You know, why did Netflix's first Australian reality show have to be set there? And why, I, I think their next show should be set in the greatest city in the world, Melbourne. Hey! Yeah. Oh, that gets a fucking clap. <laughs> Jesus, fuck. That Buckingham Palace joke was pretty solid. <laughs> I'm fucking watching you, all right? You're here to impress me. Come on, Melbourne, why shouldn't we get to see hot idiots throw wine in each other's faces right here in the UNESCO City of Literature? <laughs> Byron Bays is going to feature people who are only famous in Byron. Melbourne has plenty of those people too. Here's my pitch, all right? Stick with me. Netflix Australia presents Melebrities. <laughs> the show opens in an Andrew McConnell restaurant. Jeannie Pratt is flirting with Dan Andrews. <laughs> toying with the zipper of his North Face jacket <laughs> while his glasses fog up in horny excitement. 
Suddenly, Sam Pang enters. And screams that Beck Judd just took a furious dump in Hamer Hall because Tim Rogers didn't invite him to kick the footy with Courtney Barnett down at Princess Park. <laughs> they order the duck liver foie gras and complain that Mikey's aren't available on, on iPhones before George Columbaris shows up with a few bags and they all go and graffiti a cock and balls on an old billboard of Eddie Maguire. <laughs> Cut, print, you're welcome, celebrities. Be honest, would you rather watch a Byron influencer make a sustainable nappy line from their baby's own recycled shit called shit in my shit? Or or would you rather see Ben Mendelsohn line up for a loon croissant with Lavinia Nixon? You think Melbourne can't make great TV about awful people? It's the home of Underbelly and Hey Hey It's Saturday. I love Melbourne, and I think you've been screwed by Netflix on this one. Obviously, I will watch Byron Bay's. We all will. It's genius programming. But no one in Byron Bay will. They can't stream anything since they tore down those 5G towers. (laughs) That is it for Irrational Fear. Please thank Gabby Fowle, Dylan Bain, Lewis Harbour, James Colley, Alice Fraser, Sammy Sharp, Simon Holmes, a fucking Patreon supporters, Melbourne Comedy Festival, our Discord crew, Virginia Gay, Rupert Degas, token artist, creative rep. Until next week, there's always something to be scared of. Good night! Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.